0: Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Welcome back. This is Robert. The program is called Seldom Said. Special guest today, David Osman, a member of a very famous family that you've probably all had experience with. He's a music artist. He's an Emmy nominated host of the program Wonderama. He's now started a new band, an orchestral arrangement of those songs which we all grew up on and relish. David is a man of many hats. So we'd like to <laughs> introduce the Renaissance <laughs> figure, David Osmond. I,
1: I have a lot of hats in my closet, and sometimes I wear multiple ones at the same time. Because you know why? In show business. When the curtain goes down, you're unemployed immediately, so you throw the next hat on. (laughs) (laughs) I I learned that at at a young age before I knew that the music business was a business. My dad uh, is Alan Osmond, the oldest of the Osmond family performers. And so I grew up as a kid thinking, well, yeah, every kid's dad does this thing called music and showbiz and tours around and performs. And, And when you realize, you get to the age when you know that that's not normal boy it's there's a lot of things that go through your mind first of all it's it's weird but secondly there's also an appreciation for what they have accomplished as a family and and still accomplishing I mean it's been 62 years since the Osmonds started and they're still going man I mean Donnie and Marie in Vegas have the number one show and and it's just it's been awesome I, I stand on the shoulders of giants I'm, I'm honored to be able to carry on that tradition musically and also for television. Uh, I'm, it's, it's cool to be down here celebrating that side of things with so many friends and great talent.
0: You know, this is uh, basically David uh, rather segue, but that's the kind of program I feel is best. Have you ever considered or had in the past kept a diary of all these experiences?
1: Not like I should have. I wish I could go back as a kid because um, I, I was touring and performing. We started singing. My, I have seven brothers. I'll, I'll paint the picture there. I have seven brothers, no sisters. I'm number four of eight boys. And me with my three older brothers, we had a barbershop quartet since I was two years old. I don't even remember it. But we started singing and doing the same songs that my dad originally did back on the Andy Williams show when he was just a little boy. We learned the same barbershop harmonies. He, my dad saw a desire as kids, Because we would sing along with the same songs. We would perform uh, alongside the side of the stage with my dad. So he saw that natural desire and wanted to encourage us to develop our talents. As I got a little bit older, we went, uh, you know, started performing a lot more. And in, since I was four years old, I've pretty much been on stage constantly, not from just the barbershop as kids. We evolved into a boy band at a very young age. We used to you know, be signed to Curb Records and Epic Sony in Europe and toured around with the new kids on the block, you know, doing the boy band thing. And, and then I fell into the Broadway realm and had opportunities to do the different Broadway shows, actually taking over the lead role of Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat for my Uncle Donnie at some at one point and played that role for about five years so I had a chance to go to a lot of different avenues and performance venues and man I I wish I would have kept a better diary thank goodness there were a lot of cameras and videos so I, I do have a lot of footage to be able to reflect back upon and I show my kids and they just look at me like dad this is weird <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is crazy what do you, you do what you do for a living is really bizarre <laughs> and I completely agree
0: you mentioned your uncle, and I would imagine that, in a sense, there are people in the listening audience who are wondering about this type of lifestyle for a young person. It yeah. has been mentioned in records uh, that your uncle was a friend of Michael Jackson and so forth. Correct. Yeah. What yeah. happened to certain people did not happen to that extent to your family. What do you ascribe that to?
1: Man, I wish I I I wish I could bring in my grandparents and interview them they've they have passed on but they are heroes of mine george and Olive osmond i really attributed to what the standard that they set they they went in with their eyes open about the industry and 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 hard-working individuals wonderful people and they established some ground rules in essence of who they were and 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 that foundation has, has really set the course for their lives. And I believe it's because of the principles and the values that were established from the very beginning. It was always this order of things. From my grandparents on down, they said, in our lives, God comes first for us. Second, it's family. And then, third, it's music and showbiz. And we're going to keep it in that order. And they, they didn't just say it. They led by example. And And there's a, there's a great phrase that says, I'd rather see a sermon... hear one any day and growing up in that same culture i I, it it's so true and i think if you start with the foundation of what your principles are what your values this is who i am this is what i stand for they have not never diverted from that i think that has been a secret to success also on paper may have been a lot of roadblocks for them a lot of things uh, they turned down a lot of things they didn't go down those paths And, and ultimately at the end of that race I think has helped save them some heartache. Um, no, no family's perfect. You know, there's been a lot of hiccups and heartache, certainly, um, in, in all things. But, uh, but I do believe that groundwork has laid a foundation for them of, of uh, joy and, and ultimate happiness where they can shut the showbiz side off and be with their families. Uh, there's, a, there's a story my dad, this reminds me of this back in the heyday of the 70s when they were touring around. I mean, sold 100 million records, the Osmonds, as a family. And they went and saw uh, some of their heroes, Led Zeppelin. One, one time they were at a concert, and they went and saw the show. And before they left, they were invited to come back and, and meet Led Zeppelin. And they go backstage while everyone's screaming for an encore. And, and they, they go through the backstage curtain, and my dad almost got hit in the head with a Frisbee. And, it, and here you got the band, Led Zeppelin, sitting there playing Frisbee with their kids right behind the stage while people are cheering for an encore. And they came right up and they said, oh, the Osmonds, we love you guys. In fact, hey, why don't you come up on stage and sing our final, you know, encore, Stairway to Heaven? <laughs> and management kind of stepped in and said, no, you don't <laughs> want the Osmonds on stage with you. And they put their foot on and says, yes, we do. We want the Osmonds on stage. And they went up and did this encore of Stairway to Heaven. But the biggest thing my dad took from that is, look behind the scenes. Nobody saw this. They were, they were with their kids, their families. They were just regular people. And you keep that in perspective, and don't lose that. Um, we use don't lose that human element, and be a dad, be a family. Hold on to that strength. That that core support makes makes a huge difference uh, for so many people. And I'm grateful that for the example that my my family has established for me and continues to establish. So I really believe that's one of the strongest principles that's given them success over the years, regardless of how many records you sell.
0: It would seem to be rather difficult to practice sincere religiosity in a show business environment today. David, how do you balance it against those who practice faith in a kind of surreptitious way? And are really not sincere
1: yeah i i I don't i don't think Uh, you take a high like a any kind of a holier than now not at all you find the the principles of i mean as simple as the golden rule you treat everybody as they are truly your brother and sister and i i the as i've grown up in this industry the greatest compliments i've received are the are, are, are the experiences that people share with me in working with my family. They just say, they're so nice. They're so good to work with. They're hard working, They're professionals. They work their tails off, but they're good people to work with. Some of the advice my family has given me says, David, you, you, you treat everybody, everybody the same because you meet the same people on the way up as the way down, on the way down. And and, and I, I think that example has made a big difference as well. You know you know you don't have they have to wave a flag of any religi- religiosity of this is this is my faith and you guys should believe it too it's hey we're people we're all we're all humans we're all make mistakes nobody's perfect but you know everybody's looking for the same thing no matter who you're from where your background is what your faith is everyone's looking for a little bit of hope and a little bit of happiness and a little bit of joy and and the goal that my family always had was through their music is to bring that hope and that joy through the medium of music, and that's, that's pretty cool, because music's powerful, man. M- music is what feelings sound like, and, and through their music, they always wanted to make it a positive experience for people.
0: One is reminded of a story attributed, uh, perhaps apocryphally, but I think not, to an actress named Dolores Hart, who was the first actress allegedly to kiss Elvis on screen. She became a nun. Did you have an experience growing up where you said, you know perhaps the stage isn 't for me. I want to go in another direction?
1: You know when I grew up uh, I, I, again, I did not know this was a, a music business. I just loved being on stage. I loved singing, I loved performing. I loved uh, medicine. I thought actually I was going to grow up and be a doctor. I, I, I just was fascinated with the science of things and, 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 and as I kept performing um, you know, my, my dad actually discouraged me uh, and my brothers from getting into music because he knew the pitfalls. He knew sometimes the environment uh, that you might be in and, and, and encouraged us That said, hey boys, if you're going to do this, if you're going to do this as a job, he goes, it's not going to be a cakewalk. I'm not just going to open the door for you and just, you know, make those decisions. You, it's hard work. And he showed us, he showed us how to work hard at a young age. Um, And what it, what it took. So we, we didn't have normal childhoods. We, we had, you know, studios and rehearsal halls in our basement and we would rehearse as brothers, as kids, four hours a day, you know, with choreographers and dancing and singing and performing and really worked, worked hard. Uh, And I'm grateful for those, that, that groundwork that my dad established. I, you know, I, I've had you know, questions over the years. I've, I've gone from different fields of performing and different styles, different genres. And I, I'm always looking at, um, like I said, when that curtain's down, you're unemployed. You know, it's feast and famine sometimes. So you have to kind of look at it. Um, you, are, you are your own product. So you have to kind of put different caps on, like, like you would mention, from management to creative to uh, PR to marketing. And, and then ultimately, you know, deciding on, okay, what kind of, if I'm going to be a music artist, what kind of a music artist, what, what, you know, am am I genuine? Am I true to myself? Am I putting on a costume and pretending to be something else? And, and I've always tried to really be true to what's in my heart and to sing those, those, uh, those songs and also portray that same image uh, as I'm learning and growing. But music is in my blood, man. It's, it's my lifeblood. And I, I, I don't know what I would do otherwise at this point than, than be in the entertainment business. And now as not just a music artist, but also in television and being able to produce you know a kid's TV show and be the host of that, man, that's opened up a whole new world of excitement for me. And, and now that I got young kids watching them come on set, I'm, I'm living the dream, man. I'm, I'm beyond blessed. I'm, I'm very grateful for what I do.
0: I'm splendidly happy for you. You sound like a happy man. Literally, you've achieved. Thanks,
1: I, um I'm beyond blessed, and uh, and and I think that's the part of it is is recognizing what you have, um, and looking at my dad as an example. He's one of my biggest heroes because he doesn't perform much anymore. And hasn't been able to for a long time. In fact, it's just right here. It, I just finished a meeting just 15 minutes ago with a dear friend of mine, Nancy Davis. I sit on the board for her foundation, The Race to Erase MS. As I mentioned, my dad has multiple sclerosis. And to see my dad have to leave the stage, and he hasn't been able to perform in many, many years. Because he physically just can't get on stage. And, and to see how his life has not changed as far as who he is as an individual, his character... He may not be performing. He may not be producing like he used to. He was the uh, main producer on Donnie and show, the songwriter of the group, the leader of the group. To not have that in his life anymore, I know is hard, but it has not changed his attitude. Uh, and that to me is a testament of living a successful life. It's not about how many records you sell, but it's, it's, it's having that innate joy. Uh, since I was a little boy, he told me, he said, you know what, David, I may have MS, but, but MS does not have me. And he lives his life that way. And what a great example as a dad to give that to me. Because, because, uh, because th- I think having that perspective is, is what is most important. It's not about what you can't do anymore. It's about what you can do. And those things you can do mean so much more. And I've learned that from my dad's example. Um, uh, man, I just, uh, I sound like a motivational speaker this morning. <laughs> but, but, I, uh, but these are principles that I believe to be true.
0: Some time ago, I interviewed one of Frank Sinatra's backup singers, and she was saying he would go into his dressing room by himself, close the door, and read the evening's songs as poetry. Do you feel that yourself, your dad, the way you've described him, live life as a lyric?
1: That's a beautiful question. That's really cool. I didn't realize that Frank Sinatra even did that. My very first cassette tape was Frank Sinatra, that's life. <laughs> but you take, you take that lyric, music is just unbelievably powerful. The true stories that people write from their heart of what they've experienced. I think, I think my dad has lived that poetic life. Everything that he has written was for a purpose. And he still, he still writes songs. He sends me lyrics, I swear, almost every single day, at least every week. Of some new idea some song that may not get produced but he's creative as an outlet uh, a way of expressive uh, um, sharing and and i think that he, he it's, he's the real deal man and I, I learned from that example he i think he is living a poetic life
0: if we were to judge all of these instances in your past david is there an epiphanal moment that stands out where you for a split second said, my God, I'm in the right place at the right time, and this is where I'll stay.
1: Hmm. I know one of those those moments is in the last place on earth I ever thought I was going to meet my soulmate, my best friend, the love of my life. I never would have expected it (laughs) was on New Year's Day, 2005. I was at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas (laughs) and uh, met my wife there of all places in the world. I was living in L.A., doing music, a ton of things. And and for us to happen upon each other in an environment that was just so bizarre and connect, it was like this this angel through the darkness just stood out and we connected uh, and, and didn't go on a date even for three months after that. But it was the most, it was a moment, I, as I look back, didn't make sense in the moment. Was absolutely inspired. I felt like I was led to that moment at that right time. And and moving forward, to give uh, pay, even paint the picture further, we as we started dating and doing a long distance thing, um, we knew ultimately we wanted to get married. We wanted to have kids. And about six months after we started dating, this was you know 14 years ago. I uh, interestingly enough, as it is, I started having some physical challenges. Uh, And within a few months, I went downhill to the point where I had to go into a wheelchair. I couldn't even walk, Robert. And uh, crazy as it seems, I was diagnosed with the exact same thing as my dad, multiple sclerosis. And music was done. For two years, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't perform. I couldn't sing. Couldn't be on stage. Yet, we had love and we we had hopes for the future, my wife and I, while we were dating. And I ultimately proposed from that wheelchair state. And she says, yes, in sickness and health. That experience, when I'm in my wheelchair, realizing I I can't do this music thing, this thing I've done my whole life, it's it's gone, it's done. What am I going to do? How am I going to support my family? You reevaluate everything. And and, uh, I'm in a whole new place of appreciation and perspective. And I think that's one of the biggest gifts I've been given, uh, through this, this challenge that I've been given is it's been one of the biggest blessings of my life because, I, like I said, I know what I can't do anymore. But now that I'm walking again, I mean, I drove a car this week. I know what it's like to not be able to, to walk up a couple stairs. I don't take a single step for granted in my life. And I feel I, by trying to seize each moment and, and each, each opportunity, none of it wasted. Is, is a gift so I try and find I try and put myself in positions each day to, to learn from each experience no matter where I am at uh, to, to be in the right place at the right time and to enjoy that moment and, and make the most of it no matter what uh, it's not the you know it's not the disease that gets you down or if you're going through a hard time whatever it might be we all have different circumstances but it's the lack of hope and I, I, uh, I hold on to those those hopeful moments despite the pain or the the hardship because we all have them. Um, I, I just, I look around and realize life is fleeting. I look at my kids. Life is just cruising by. Take every second and not take it for granted. Enjoy it. Make the most of it. Because life, it just goes way too fast.
0: That's so very true. Yeah. yeah. That's a marvelous, and, and, yes, please continue.
1: No, I, I, sorry, I'm like on my soapbox this morning. but yeah,
0: Perfectly all but, right.
1: What what I love about even the show that we're doing right now, it's a kid's show. And the the brand Wonderama, it's, it's a show that goes way back and affected so many kids. It we ran for almost 30 years. And now I see these kids up and coming, amazing talent. We do lots of variety of performing and singing and games and prizes. And it's fun. It's fun stuff. But these kids inspire me because I watch them inspiring their peers and just to be kind of like the the older brother on the set, just kind of the host of it, watching this take place, it gives me hope for the future. And and these kids are just the brightest, brightest ever. And and I feel like a chump, you know, comparatively. They're just amazing talent, beautiful, beautiful kids that just are, are so full of life and joy and wonder. And that's what I love about this particular um, season of my life in doing this TV show. It's, it's inspiring, man.
0: When you do something like Wonderama, I'm reminded, reminded of a quote attributed to Woody Guthrie. He once said that a lullaby is propaganda for a baby. Can show business be propaganda for a child?
1: Boy, there's a lot of stereotype with show business and children. Um, I remember I remember Donnie actually telling me one of the saddest things he saw is Uh, not giving a name, he saw someone at an airport that was an idol of his and hadn't had much quote unquote fame and success in, in the recent years. And, and it, it looked, you could visibly see that that person was a fish out of water because nobody was coming up and giving attention or asking for an autograph. And it was like this awkward thing. What's weird in showbiz, you see, you travel the world, but you don't necessarily see it at times. You, you go from the tour bus or right to, or the stage right to the hotel. And you see, you know, it's a weird life. You go from exuberance and joy and screaming and yelling and cheering to silence. And it, I, I would think, as a child, it, it it could be it could be a roller coaster of emotions. I think um, I think you got to be really careful and and try and establish as much of, of that perspective. I don't know what that perfect blend is of how to get there, but for a child specifically in show business, it it you got to tread lightly and just keep your eyes open to what what the sacrifice it does make on maybe an arrested development, on trying to to find your village, find your core support of the people you trust that aren't just yes men, but can keep you grounded as much as possible. I'm just, I'm so grateful I grew up in the family I did, because I really feel that they worked hard to establish that for themselves and for, for me as well, growing up in that environment.
0: Could you, in your own opinion, have ever simply stepped away? Said I've had enough. I've had a taste. It's enjoyable, but I'm gone.
1: Yeah, that's, um, I think my wife would appreciate it if I did at times because <laughs> I travel, a uh, decent amount. What's nice is when I go home, I get to be home. Um, but there's also the, uh, I don't know, the unfamiliar and the the unknown as, as to what what the next thing might be for you. There's a lot of unpredictability. Um, I almost wonder if it, if life would be easier if I if I was able to just punch the clock and go to, you know, maybe something a little more normal. I have thought about it. You know, is is it would this be better for my kids? Would this be better for my wife? Ultimately, she also has recognized that this is such. A language of mine, music, expressiveness, performing, singing uh, is, is so much a part of, of the fabric of my life that without it, I, it it's, it's hard to imagine breathing without that oxygen. Um, and so maybe that's, that's my blessing and maybe that's my curse is <laughs> it's just, it's, it's in me. And, and, and I imagine, too, that there may come a time I may have to, to pick up different reins and, and go with something else. Because oh, at the end of the day, I'm still the breadwinner of my family. I'm, I'm the leader and, and, and the support and, and need, to, need to be there for them. So come what may, I, that's the role that I've chosen. I, I consider myself more than anything beyond a performer or an entertainer. I'm a husband and I'm a father. And, and I want to be for my children, for my wife, the same that my dad has been for my mom and for my, my family. Uh, they, they've led by example. So I want, I want to be able to fulfill that role, whatever it may be. So if I have to give up show business for that, for that fact, come what may, so be it.
0: You speak wonderfully extemporaneously and to the point. David, have you ever considered... Throwing the hat in the ring and giving perhaps politics a try. Oh, <laughs> uh, if I <laughs> the laughter says boy, something. Is, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what? And to some degree, we're all in politics, right? We're we're, uh, we're especially since you know we're all so connected now. You know, we we we're it's a huge world, and there are billions of people, but we're just a, we're just a few clicks away from each other. We need to check ourselves and be re- be respectful of each other so no matter what if you're in politics uh, or if, if if you're working fast food you know we work with each other and I think uh, you know I watch I watch the examples of those around me those that treat each other well those that don't I we need to be politically minded be respectful of those things but as far as getting into actual politics, um, uh, I, I, I never considered that, uh, if I have, maybe it's, I shut, I shut it down pretty quick. I don't know. Cause I don't know if I, I don't know if I feel like I'm, I have the, the greatest ideas. I mean, if I could, if I could help in some way, I would absolutely be there. I love, I, I love our country. I know right now it's, it's a tender time. Uh, I just, if I can help build bridges by how I live my life, that's how I'll be the best politician, quote unquote. <laughs> but, uh, As far as getting into that arena, I don't know if it's the right time for me. But man, you never know. You never know.
0: You're still trying to live the sermon.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, Well, hey, and and if I if I need to get a real job someday, I uh, maybe I'll come and work (laughs) for you, and I'll (laughs) I'll be your assistant.
0: (laughs) You don't want to hear me sing, David. Please.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, what about, are you a choreographer? Do you dance? I mean, do you you juggle?
0: (laughs) I, (laughs) I've never been asked this. You reverse the shoes on the other foot now. Oh, yeah. I sing with a black gospel choir. (laughs) Awesome. Very. What's the, what's the name of the choir? Very patient, loving souls. It's a, a church choir in the Long Island metropolitan area.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. That's Awesome. We've, we've had several choirs, because we film our TV show in New York. and We've had several, I think it was the Harlem Gospel Choir uh, came on our show a couple times. It is just phenomenal. And, and I love the choir feel. I, I would love to come see you perform with your choir sometime. Can I do that when I get out to New York?
0: Why not? Why not? <laughs>
1: That's marvelous. I, I've, I've not, never
0: been asked that before.
1: <laughs> I, I would love to come see you do your thing, as long as they give you at least one solo. You've got to stretch your wings a little bit, and I'd love to see you, see, love to see you take charge, man.
0: It's known as testing God's love if they give me one solo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or, or is God testing your humility? <laughs> <laughs> there is, some, you know what? Yes, please. Uh, there's, there's a great, great quote as you say that. You know, uh, I don't believe there are any accidents in life. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but I really think that. If you so choose to believe it, everything happens for a reason, for better or worse. In fact, there's a quote. I believe it's an Einstein quote that says, "There is no coincidence. Coincidence is just God's way of remaining anonymous." And and the fact that we, our lives are just a you know just a flash, a blink of the eye. Uh, I, I believe that the the frustrations, the joys, everything we go through, if we have the perspective and so choose to believe it is for our greater good is for our gain our benefit uh, what is, what is the scripture i give men weakness that they may be strong and 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 i i feel i feel that's that's true universally uh, we we are more connected robert all of us uh, we have more in common than we even begin to realize
0: that quotation god remaining anonymous that's one of my favorite quotes it says a oh, lot cool. yeah that's when cool, i man. I'm noticing uh, certain affinities, if we were to talk about certain performers, the African-American community, uh, the Hispanic community, the immigrant community, when they perform, there's a freedom about it. It's not structured. Do you think that's ethnic, cultural, as a result of background, experiential, or is it something that can be taught, just that relaxation in doing what I wish to do, whether I succeed or not?
1: That's an interesting question. I've never thought about it before. Boy, if, if that's the case, we could all learn from it. Because you're, you're in that choir. You feel that camaraderie. You feel that, that, that fellowship. You know, that, that the, 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 the communion together. Um, boy, uh, I love singing in a group. I've been able to perform as a family, you know, uh, growing up. But I've also performed a lot of choirs and groups. And there's just nothing quite like it. You feel in unison. You feel connected through the through the medium of music and word and melody. It's it's awesome. If there's something. There's a, there, the cliche of the music is the universal language is not by accident. There's something there we all can connect with. So if if it's cultural, we can all learn from that and 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 become become one. I I, I think that's cool. I never thought about that.
0: I know that. Uh thinking of myself as a Caucasian singing with an all-black choir, they've made love easier. Yeah. Do you find those moments where it's just so perfect you don't want it to stop?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Sometimes if, in, in those worship moments, like sometimes, you know, you might say, okay, a worship or this, we have rehearsal from, you know, 10 to 11. You, you just don't want it to end. And sometimes you realize you look at your clock, it's been three hours or something. <laughs> like, it, that... that that transcends uh, the state you might be in from uh, place and time. It, it's I absolutely agree. You, you just Sometimes you just don't want those things to end. And uh, I totally agree with you, man. I'm definitely coming to watch you perform now. There's no doubt.
0: You have a standing invitation.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You have a very calm and soothing voice, by the way. I know, I see why you do what you do. You're very wise, man. Wise beyond your years.
0: Well, that's very kind of you. If we're talking about the maturity and the performing angle of it, speaking of Wonderama, give us a description. Oh, boy.
1: Well, are you familiar with the original Wonderama? Yes, I am. See, I was not. In fact, when when, uh, I connected the dots with what this program was and the new iteration of what the new Wonderama was going to be, I had no idea that it, it was even a show that ran for almost 30 years. And I, I would go around and tell people, oh, I'm, I'm hosting Wonderama. And oh my gosh, it would stop people dead in their tracks, go, what? Wonderama, it's back? No way. I remember this one time, the first season I did, I was there to interview uh, one of the America's Got Talent uh, winners. And and at the door were these two huge bodyguards, these two guys, brothers. And we stepped up and they kind of get in my face, like, who are you with? I'm like, oh, we're here to interview uh, for the, our TV show Wonderama, these two huge guys just melted. <laughs> just like uh-huh. what? They're like, dude, I learned how to tie my shoes because of the original Wonderama. Because I was tying my shoes this morning thinking about Wonderama. And, and that to me is so <laughs> cool that the brand had that much has that much pull, had that much um, influence. I mean, it was kind, of, it was like their Mister Rogers, so to speak. So I feel an, an immense amount of responsibility to carry that tradition on for the next generation, um, and, and, and hold that, you know, that title sacred in some ways. I'm, it, it's a cool experience being a part of the show and, and, uh, man, it, it, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to come see you perform in the choir. If you want to come down to a taping, uh, next time we're doing, uh, our recording this, this summer, man, come on down, check it out.
0: That sounds marvelous. <laughs> We're going to end up adopting each other, David. <laughs>
1: I know. We're like, I'm telling you, we're brothers, man. I knew I had a big family, and it just expands every day.
0: I'm wondering, when you look at a youngster in the Wonderama performance on stage, one talks about teaching people how to sing, how to move, how to dance, how to project an image. Do you feel you can teach creative ability? Can you instill talent
1: that's a great question. I, and people ask that all the time. Um, I do feel like there is something genetically in my blood that has, and, and maybe that came from just being exposed to music and artistry at a very young age. I think that makes a big difference. As as we grow up in an environment, where our minds are being molded and influenced. Um, there's no doubt that music can, can create those synapses, those connections in the brain to, have artistic creative flow. There's no doubt. I do, I think it's a hybrid. I think you can definitely teach voice. I think you can teach, um, artistry, but there's something else. I, we, we all come from genetics are crazy, but we all have a voice of some degree, uh, different styles that we, we can creatively share from our point of view, whatever that is. I mean, it, the the world is vast and there's so many things to say and so many ways to say it. Uh, music helps, helps deliver that it, through different mediums. Um, yeah, I think you can learn a lot and some things I think are just innate. But what's cool is the way I sing a song or the way I'd write a song is totally different than the way you would write it. It doesn't mean one's right or one's wrong, but um, they both can be just uniquely beautiful. And you can see something from a different perspective that you could say it, or you could write it, or you could sing it in a way that I could never do it. Um, I'm actually, it's funny, there's a quote that comes to mind. I'm actually helping my daughter with a, a book report right now on Louis Armstrong, and, and, and her name is Azalea, and there's, an old, there's a, a song by Louis Armstrong that no one's ever really heard. It's a Duke Ellington-Louis Armstrong song called Azalea. That's what she was named after, and there's a, there's a quote that he said where it says, if you don't got it in you, you can't blow it out. And... <laughs> And there's, I think there's something in every single one of us that's unique and different. So I, I do think it takes sometimes work to be able to artistically and creatively express that. So as a songwriter, write something every single day. Keep writing. If you, if you, if you, you know, it's, it's a muscle. If you don't exercise, you're going to lose. It's going to atrophy. So creatively, keep working that. Keep trying. Keep, keep creating. Absolutely. That's something that, that no matter how talented you are, you have to keep practicing.
0: Do you feel there's a song in all of us, just as they say there's a book in all of us? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, absolutely, man. This is, I think this conversation is turning into such a motivational, like, feel-good moment. <laughs> I hope it's not too, uh, too warm, warm, fuzzy. None but, man, I totally agree with that. I, I think there's something inside. every so, All of us have something to say. All of us have a voice that's unique. Um, the The uh, innate uh, value and worth of a soul is is beyond what our human minds, I think can can comprehend. Uh, and And we have something to share, something to contribute, every single one of us. Yes.
0: Now the Emmy Awards, Creative Arts, National Academy of Arts and Sciences, a host has a myriad of difficulties, responsibilities. Yeah. what uh, trains you and prepares you for doing this
1: <laughs> well for this particular show uh, at the creative arts uh, daytime emmy awards this is where you know the unsung heroes are going to be um, are going to be featured you know this is a really unique show there's a lot of awards to give out so that's kind of one of the things i know is is my task is to help the night be entertaining and move it along. So like, you know, I'm gonna be performing songs, going to be helping the flow. It, 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 you know, uh, we, we want to we get through it in an entertaining fashion. But this is a cool night where, you know, the unsung heroes get recognized. And what's cool about these I Emmys mean, is these are ind- industry professionals who are voting for their peers. So you got directors voting for directors. You got writers voting for writers. Um, and, and so as, as the host of this, it's to help celebrate them. It, it, this is uh truly those that contribute in 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 broadcasting magic uh in the in by way of the creative arts and uh and um so i think as the host in preparing for that i don't even have a script yet i don't even know the flow of the night but i do know this is to is to make it as engaging and and flow as as, as smoothly as possible and you're kind of the you're kind of the captain of that ship so there may be some hiccups, there may be some hurdles, and just you have to be prepared for it. Roll with the punches and uh, and, 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 try and try and make everybody have a comfortable experience, an enjoyable one. That's really what my goal is that I'm shooting for.
0: That old Will Rogers quote, uh, when asked how do you host a fundraiser or something of the sort, he said, you'll know it when you know it. <laughs> is the script a liability?
1: Um. Well, I, I know there's logistics we got to get through. We, I mean, there's so many awards. We have to hit those things. But even on the show, like the TV show I do, and there's going to be teleprompter. There's going to be certain things. I, uh, some of the best advice I ever got was, even from my family, was it's, what is it, the 101? Like there may be 100 people in the audience right there, but there's one person on the other end of that camera lens. So this is being broadcast all over. Uh, through connect.tv, K-N-E-K-T.tv, the you know the Facebook channels the daytime Emmys, even on Amazon. Um, so when I'm looking into that camera, yeah, I'm I may see the words of a teleprompter, but I'm actually really looking at you know one person on the other end. If I were you know sitting there and knowing my wife's going to be watching, I'm going to be talking to her and try and speak directly to her or whoever may be watching. So I I go off script a decent amount. I don't really have cue cards when I do my TV show. I know who the guest is and I might need the pronunciation of the name at times and where they come from so I can get those details right. But I try not to make it a liability to your question. Uh, I try to make it as natural as possible. And if it feels I need to say something else, I, I'm—I, I, to my demise, sometimes I'm not afraid to open my mouth and <laughs> just I let it flow.
0: Now, you've been on both sides of cameras, both sides of stage and stage lights. What appeals to you? about being behind a camera, behind a microphone, as opposed to being the person who the camera is on?
1: Well, there's a lot, I think, a lot less pressure <laughs> to, to uh, uh, in some regards, in other ways. It's a, it's a totally different animal. I've been behind in, in a director's, in a creative, in a producing realm. And sometimes, sometimes you, you need that dynamic. I have some great... Producers that I rely on I look over there and I can even see the look on their face if something's a little off if They're seeing something that I can't it's hard to see The forest through the trees and if I'm a little too close to something I rely on my my team to be able to be my barometer So you have to kind of leave the ego at the door and realize we're all trying to accomplish the same thing I rely on my sound techs. I rely on my senior producers my directors and and heck even hair and makeup you just you need to have be surrounded by with with one goal in mind and and you know it takes a village to accomplish these things and there's a lot of moving parts going on so you learn those things um, uh, and re- learn to rely on each other.
0: Do you appreciate rehearsing?
1: Yes, one thousand percent. Practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect.
0: Mm.
1: And rehearsal uh, is a must. I mean, I look at, I look back at some of those early tapes that I watched as a kid, the the black and white videos of my dad on Andy Williams shows and and the early specials, they were known as the one take Osmonds. And that was not by accident. They, people did not see behind the scenes what they were doing. Uh, for example, I know when they were on, on, uh, Andy Williams shows, they said, oh, we've got, uh, you know, you guys probably have the next week off because we've got the ice capades coming in and we've got ice skaters and stuff. And they're like, you guys probably don't ice skate. and My grandpa, I remember stepped up, uh, my dad telling me the story he goes, oh, yes, we do. <laughs> well, my, my dad had never been on ice skates. And as soon as they left that meeting, my grandpa took the boys, they went to the ice skating rink. And for the next seven days, they did not take their skates off. They had <laughs> blisters galore. And they just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And they were in those ice skating shows that next week on the Andy Williams show. And they did shoot the duck and all the different through the legs and backwards skating. They were awesome. In fact, they got a call the, the day after that episode aired from the Ice Capade saying, hey, would you guys like to go on tour with us? But it was because they worked and rehearsed. And, and yeah, there's no substitution for that.
0: There's an old recording, Kinescope, of Billie Holiday singing Strange Fruit. And when she sings it, it just becomes hers. It gives you shivers. She could be off-key. Any circumstance could have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been so concerned about a performance that when it's perfect, when you feel you're really hit, on either side of the stage, there's a certain reticence in trying to do it again?
1: Boy, that's actually, that's an interesting perspective, especially doing shows that you have to do the same thing in. Uh, I'm looking at like some of the the Broadway shows, like there's there's a script, there's a set format, you're dealing with so many pieces, you have to kind of be in that uh, same vein every single night and on top of your game. And I I think this is something that's in me, and I've really connected with my uncle Donnie on this, is I, I... I'm, I'm my own worst enemy in the sense that I critique. I'm my own worst critic. And really, honestly, Robert, I, I don't feel I've ever given a performance I've ever been 100% completely satisfied with. And I think that's a good thing in some ways. You're always questioning it. How can I improve this? What what could I have done better? You know, you go to a show and you have show notes that come back and you have other people that watch it. Okay, check it, take a look at this. And by doing so, and you don't rest on your laurels, and and think that you've you've got this in the bag you're done I think that keeps you on your toes the second you go out on stage and you don't have a little bit of that not butterflies but just that anxiousness that anticipation if you lose that I think you lose a spark uh, a little bit as a performer and boy I, if anyone I've learned that from especially my uncle Donnie and my aunt Marie they they have they do that to a T they've been a, they've been in Vegas for 11 years. They they change up the show you know quite a bit here and there for different things for sure like production, but when you're doing the same show over and over, uh, always go out there as if it was the first time you were doing that material, and and sing it as such, perform it as such, and there's 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 a spark, there's a magic there, so yeah, I think that you always got to check yourself and make sure you're not you're not slacking, keep keep it. There's always room for improvement.
0: Now you've been on stage and you've performed and played roles. Is there a character, a role, a play, a persona you would love to portray?
1: Oh, dude. I've never, I don't think I've ever thought about that. Uh, not, not in depth. It's been a while since I've done the Broadway stuff. I've been doing, you know, pop music, my own stuff for quite a while. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know what I've always wanted to do is be in a gospel choir in New York. Do you think there's room for me to be alongside you, there, brother?
0: <laughs> On my right or my left, front or back? Yeah, it's perfectly oh, all right.
1: <laughs> wherever wherever you need, wherever wherever you need a, a
0: weak link, I'll be there. Just bear with me. I hum in G.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, that reminds me of that one singer who says he can only sing an F sharp. Yeah. That's so good. That's so funny.
0: Looking out in an audience and listening to people, and perhaps people in the audience now are rather young, we have the young and the old listening to this program, what advice would you give to the young person who's listening to the radio saying to himself, my God, what a life, I want to walk that path, but it's not a yellow brick road. What advice would you give them so that they can rationally deal with the future and tomorrow?
1: The, I think to have respect for your elders, to, to, I, I have, I have so much to learn. I, I'm still just a baby, a novice in so many ways. And I, and I, I, sometimes I can be stubborn and think I got this, um, just be teachable. Know that, that experience is passed on each generation is, is designed to improve upon the last and so learn from, from those that have gone before. Maybe a different ball game, and there may be some different details about things. But I think I have respect for for those that, that have maybe been there and done that. And and you can learn. Don't don't try to reinvent the wheel. Make make it, make it your own thing. Certainly, but learn from those that have gone before. I think that's a great perspective in life, uh, and have that respect. Be teachable.
0: Well put. Those who have gone before, is there someone you would have loved to spend an hour with?
1: Oh man, I I, I wish I would have met Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I really do. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know him on a personal like his, his story, his life. But it's a that's a guy who, who did so many cool things. I mean, just had such a style, so unique. I would have loved to have met him and just been a fly on the wall. I've met a lot of people that have been in his band, his leaders, his his people. That would have been just a, a thrill for me. That would have been cool.
0: Is that some of the atmosphere, the aura you're trying to capture with the Osmond Chapman Orchestra?
1: I mean, that's capturing lightning in a bottle. No question. Uh, and That's why we call this, this project, the Osmond Chapman Orchestra, the new American songbook. It's taking, you know, the... The great, great arrangement, great songs, the great lyrics, melodies of the American songbook, the Frank Sinatra, the Bobby Darin, uh, great songs of the past, and then making new fresh arrangements to it, maybe a new take, a new twist. Uh, and that audience is truly 12 to 92. It's it's a timeless sound. But we also do some of the new stuff, great songs that may not be a part of that quote unquote American songbook, but they're great material. So songs from even Bruno Mars, Justin Timberlake, uh Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, and then even writing some new original songs to go in the mix. Um, it, it's, it's just, I get goosebumps when I listen to it and, and, and perform it. And what's cool is to see the audience out there of ages, you know, uh, across the board. You know, when Lady Gaga teamed up with Tony Bennett, for example, and they just killed it. It was just awesome. It was like, what's, what's old has become new again. And I think that that's what I love most about this particular genre right now.
0: Do you feel, speaking of Tony Bennett at his age, Lady Gaga at hers, that we don't give young people enough credit as a potential audience? We seem to feel three explosions and a robot appeals to them, and yet they listened to this and they were moved by it.
1: Yeah, you know, I think so. I think it goes both ways. I mean, to kind of put your nose up towards any kind of group of anybody. It's uh, so all these millennials these days, or this, you know, all these, the old farts, they don't understand us. I, I, I think just hearing each other, listening to each other, and giving each other a, a chance to uh, to succeed or to fail. Uh, learning together, yeah, the, boy, the, the talent these days, and I know this for a fact because I see it on our TV show. These young kids have a bluegrass band that shows up, and they're all 11 years old, 12 years old. They're playing their banjo and upright bass like you can't even believe like I could ever dream to play. And I just, I got m- mad respect. If you, yeah, just give people their, give people their time. I think you'd be blown away. Let them, let them shine. Everybody has, has, has a voice, has something to contribute. So yeah, just, uh, I think the respect does need to go both ways. Yeah.
0: Dealing with the orchestra, is there a song then, a performance that you would love to recapture and make your own?
1: Uh, I haven't done this yet, but I sang this just the other day, and I was in, sobbing in tears. And I think it was just the material. There's a, a Harry Belafonte song called Turn Around um, that I was singing it to my daughter this last weekend. It was her birthday, um, her 10-year-old birthday. And I was just in tears, man, as as I see her... Uh, and my kids growing so fast, and it's this fleeting moment, which is why when I'm home, I, I want to be the carpool guy. I want to be that dad that takes them to school, makes the sack lunches, and, and is involved because it just goes so fast. So that particular song, I I really want to record because it has such a personal touch to me, and I have a recording of my grandparents singing it to me, and and that is, boy, that multi-generational thing, it's just, it's in me. I got I have mad respect for my for my my grandma and my grandpa, and, I, and also my, my parents, my dad. I, I want to be that for my kids, and I hope through my music I can, I can leave that as a legacy.
0: You speak so lovingly of your grandparents. There are times where you will hear someone singing a lyric. I've used the example before in this program, but Walter Houston on film sang "September song, and he could not sing. He had no voice at all, no tone at all. But there was something about it that brought tears to your eyes. Is it that important to have the clarion voice, or is it more important to have the sincere projection?
1: I I think you live the lyric. Uh, It was, was it uh, WC that said, music is the space between the notes? I, th- I think you live that lyric, and you tell the story. You're 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 a storyteller, and you may not have the most perfect tone or the right placement vocally of them structurally. I'm not doing it perfect the way it's written in the book, but if you if you do that from your heart, there, there's something that that you can't just mechanically, robotically create. If you if you're true to what is being spoken, and you you live that lyric, you, you say it as you mean it. Um, th- th- there's no, there's no alternative. There's no substitution for that. No question.
0: Do you feel there's some danger for performers, particularly young ones, to fall victim to the lyric? In what way? To become what they're singing about.
1: Um. Boy, that's interesting. You, you become what you what you think about. Uh, sometimes I want, I'll tell you this. Sometimes I'll listen to kids singing certain songs, like little kids and they're singing things that I know they have no idea what they're singing about. <laughs> I'm like, wow, pay attention to, to what you might be projecting out there. Cause I don't think you have any idea <laughs> what you're actually saying. I think there's power in spoken word. There's, there's, there is, there, there, there's something to be said about you know, speaking your truth and, and, Speaking honesty to yourself, um, you may you. I get maybe that's true. I've never thought about that before in, intently. About you know becoming what, what you are performing. I think that the material really dissect that. I think you learn that in what acting lessons when you take every syllable and you just break it down and and dissect it. And what emotion am I saying on this particular sound? Um, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool practice to be able to do that. And and you learn. I I, I had a chance to you know. Uh, take some time off and learn spanish i was a missionary for a couple years and just in learning how to speak another language and dissect that helped me to be able to speak english better helped me to learn grammatically certain things and how to express certain things so yeah i think it's important to really dissect what you say and what you sing
0: i was in a subway car recently and someone was playing a boombox and listening to rap music and the person behind me was talking to his wife and mention, oh, my Lord, that's noise. I wish he would turn it down. How dare he? Do you consider anything music, if someone listens to it, is rap music, perchance?
1: Absolutely. It's artistry. There are some some things I've heard. I'm just like, wow, how do you do that? Like, How did you... How did you spit that out like that? How did you put those words together that way? I think it's awesome. There's there's artistry all over the place. I I don't think it's. I think I think a classical artist, classically trained, can totally learn from a hip hop artist, and vice versa. Actually, my band leader Caleb Chapman. That's where we get the Osmond Chapman Orchestra, who's had a school of music for over twenty years. Of these kids, they you know. They they learn from every single genre, and I've watched these kids come up doing hip hop, or ind- independent, or country, or R and B, or you know classically trained. And each one can you can learn from from different things, different cadences, different messages. There, yeah, there's there's so many cool art forms. I, I don't think you you know you shun one over the other. Uh, be open to it all. You may not enjoy you may even, you may enjoy one more than the other, but that's you know that's. That's a, just a different color that you might like, but uh, but yeah, open open your eyes to what's out there. There's definitely artistry in that kind of music.
0: Do you like to scat?
1: Uh, I don't do a ton because I I want to make sure it's natural. Uh, it, sometimes I feel like I'll, I'm forcing this. If if I listen back to it, I'm like uh, I'm doing that because it's a nice firework, or I'm doing a I'm doing a run here and a lot of vocal acrobatics. You know, does the song really call for that? I need to maybe keep that into question. And that's, that's uh, you you have to put your producer hat on besides just being a performer.
0: We're within two and a half minutes of what has proven to be a marvelous program, David. Uh, I certainly appreciate the time, the effort, and the honesty. Well,
1: well, you're a very patient man. You've listened to me for a long time (laughs) 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 now.
0: Nothing wrong with listening when someone has something to say. Thanks. I Thanks. wonder if we can take the point to perhaps draw a conclusion this first time we'd love to do it again, but are there oh, future
1: i i would come on anytime you want
0: thank you david Are there future plans that you would love to pursue
1: oh you know i was have i, I uh, the, uh, the i you know that's a great question um i think uh I, I, I'm looking at a couple of different things. Even being here in LA this week, meeting with different TV producers about you know other may, may, uh, game shows that would be fun to be a part of. Are there different projects you know I'm looking at from the, the American Songbook side of stuff? I, uh, I'm i kind of I'm, I'm I'm doing so much right now. I'm almost try, I don't want to stretch stretch myself too thin. I think if yeah. you take on too many things at once, you know each one could suffer a little bit. My plate's so full right now. I'm I haven't really gone to that headspace of maybe changing what I'm working on right now because I'm just finishing this album, getting it released later this summer, doing the TV thing. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to get back to you on that one, Robert.
0: I appreciate that. I wonder, and we're drawing within that minute, if there are final thoughts you'd like to share, and if in point of fact you feel that you would not mind a personal connection with those in the listening audiences who might, through myself as a liaison, have a question for you.
1: I'm open to everything. You know what's so cool is, like, even through the social media platform, we're, we're more connected now than ever. Um, but it's also nice to kind of also put your phones down and look each other in the eye. But if someone has a question for me, certainly reach out to me. I'll, I'd love to get back to you on whatever that question might be. Um, uh, I, want, I wanted to go back to one thing you da- you mentioned about, is there something that you wish you could do or would like to do? Something's happening this weekend that I've, I've always wanted to do. And it just came out, I uh, just got asked this last week. So part of the Emmy process uh, this year is we're celebrating a lot of landmarks, a lot of cool um, uh, anniversaries. It's, you know, for, like it's the 25th anniversary of Extra. Mario Lopez is going to be there for sure. It's, it's the 40th anniversary for CBS Sunday morning. But it's also the 50th anniversary of Sesame Street. And I got asked on the Sunday show to perform with the Sesame Street crew. <laughs> That's marvelous. Elmo and Abby. So <laughs> for my kids alone, I, I, I actually have street cred uh, now with them. And I'm saying it's Sesame Street cred because <laughs> so I get to perform with Elmo. That is going to be awesome, man. I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> on that term, I'm going to have to <laughs> draw to a conclusion
1: Dude, I'm living the dream, man. <laughs> oh, you, have,
0: you are. You are. Don't wake up, really. <laughs> uh, I wonder if you might stay on the line just for a few minutes after we're finished. I'll draw it to a close. This is Robert. The program is seldom said. Our marvelously innovative guest is Mr. David Osman. Be with us next time.
1: You're listening to a podcast from LIU Studios. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and subscribe to this show on your podcast app of choice. For more of our programs or to support LIU Studios, visit wcwp.org.